liftoff. Oh, nice. I should probably pray, right? Yeah. Let's open this up with prayer. Okay. Lord Jesus, I pray that we'll have a, a really fun, uh, uplifting podcast right now. Um, thank you for allowing Caleb to come on the show. Lord Jesus, I pray that you keep everybody safe with this whole pandemic stuff going around, that you keep people's minds on you, you keep people's minds on what the truth of the word is, and then I just pray that you fill people's heart with a longing to get alone with you and use this time to sit with you and read your word and and get the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Caleb. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, um, of course. Right before we hopped on, we were talking about, um, well, I just want to introduce you first. So you are one of my co-youth leaders in youth at Antioch College Station. Yep. Uh, we started co-youth leading together probably last semester. Was it yeah, last it semester? Was last you semester. came in last semester. Yeah. And I started in, in the summer right before that. Um pleasantly it was pleasant that you came in and at a perfect timing where we needed more guys we needed more you know strong believers and then you started coming to a bible study that i invited you to and so we're down this kind of path um but yeah man so uh and we're both from austin oh yeah (laughs) round rock cedar park north austin (laughs) shout out to the good old atx so, bro, maybe tell everybody a little bit more about you and, like, kind of what you've been up to and uh, where your heart's at with uh, God in these times and stuff like that. All right. Um, so, like you said, my name's Caleb. Um, what do I say about myself? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we could just we could jump in. Um, we were just talking about what, what was this story you said in New York? They're like trying to keep people inside by like shining this light around right so i want i'm almost positive it's new york but don't quote me on it okay um but (laughs) it was like on some tall tower they had set up a light that was swirling around almost like a lighthouse but it was Mm. red and it looked exactly like the eye of sauron Mm. not exactly the best way to instill people with comfort (laughs) josh see if you can find that are you looking that up you should totally look that up. Um, that's wild, man. So that's like to keep people, to remind them to stay inside? I guess so. The eye of Zion. So you, so, you know, kind of transitioning there a little bit um, while Josh looks this up is you have always really been into fiction, kind of storytelling, adventure stories. Yeah. What, can you talk about that a little bit and then how that transitioned into a book that you wrote? Yeah. Or are in the process of writing. So um, I am an Oh, av- my gosh. What the <laughs> heck is that? Yep. Oh, and it's on the Empire State Building, too. That's perfect. That's on the Empire State Building? That's what it says. Oh, my goodness. Giant. See if you can pull that up for people on YouTube, Josh, for them to see. Oh, my gosh. Wait, is that actually real? That one is. Okay. And it uh, spins around. Huh. It does kind of look like (laughs) some evil thing. Interesting. 
Wow, that's creepy. What is that other one right there? The install all seeing eye on top of Trump Tower? What is that? Okay, yeah, that's definitely fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's kind of creepy, man. Very. <laughs> Wait, click on the Twitter. Oh, okay. So they just, they've been making fun of it and stuff. Yeah, I think they're just making okay. fun of it now. <laughs> that is kind of creepy looking, though, you gotta admit. I'm sure that's not what they were going for, but <laughs> not exactly the best way to instill hope. And yeah. So that's like a, uh, I mean, Lord of the Rings is a fantasy book. Right. And so you were interested in this when you were a kid, and now you're writing a book. Yeah. How did that come about? So I'm an avid reader. Like, I, my goal this year is to read 200 books. Um, Whoa. And no, no picture books either. <laughs> uh, that's what everyone asks me. He's like, are, are they picture books? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've always loved to read. And I think it was in like, I can't remember exactly when, but basically for a while I've been adding 20 books to how much I read every year. Mm. And um, So how not, many books total do you think you've written? Written or read? I mean read. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have no idea. A lot, though. Mm. However, I love to reread books because I found that the first time I read it, I'm, like, totally enraptured in the story and, like, what's going to happen next? Mm. And, like, I'm one of the people that, you know how someone will yell at the TV uh, at a football game or get really excited? Yeah. I'll do that with books. Interesting. My friends used to tease me about that when I read at lunch and... Um, high school and middle school i'd be like no or uh not yelling of course but i'd get like really absorbed into the story and it ruined the rest of your day because your favorite <laughs> character something happened to them and then like the second time i read it and the or the third time i like get into the the meat of the truth behind the stories and the characters and the development mm. and all the subtle details mm. um because I've always loved um, characters and stories. Uh, I believe that, well, Jesus, he, um, he taught through stories. Mm. He c came up with characters and parables to tell his point. And so that's what um, authors do. That's what storytellers do. And I specifically love Christian fiction. Mm. Um Ted Decker and Terry Blackstock, Francine Rivers. Um, there's all these amazing uh, authors that create stories that some of them are fantasy, some of them are more um, based on real life, but they're all telling truths about Jesus and the gospel, and yet it's in relatable stories mm. as opposed to just... Um, Reading the Bible. You're telling me the Bible ain't relatable, son. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> but I'm telling you that for most yeah. people, if they just read a chapter in the Bible, they're not going to understand it too well. Mm. And yet, if you can put it into a story that they can relate to, then they'll think like back the on that story. principle behind it. Yeah. Okay. And um, like a very famous story uh, by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Narnia. Um, it's all about the the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and yet he uses a lion and a fictional world, 
and more people have read that today than um, that aren't Christians than people would read the Bible if they're not Christians. So hmm. Weird sentencing, but yeah, you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I feel like stories are a way to draw people in, people that wouldn't necessarily want to know about God. Mm. So my dad always used to say to me when I was young that the biggest lessons and the, the biggest truths are found within the fiction books and not the nonfiction books. And most people are like, oh, well, you're going to learn more from a nonfiction book. Would you say that's been true in your life, that you've learned more from fiction than nonfiction? Uh, definitely. Mm. And I think part of it is I'm not a, a visual person, and yet I get so into a story that I'm it's almost like I'm there so I can experience even though I haven't gone through let's say a parent's death or whatever it may be that happens in the story I can experience what they're feeling and uh, get to experience the truth of Jesus and experience the hope and the joy that comes from knowing Jesus in suffering because while I've struggled my in my own life, it's nothing like a fictional story. Because I mean, authors they just it's almost like they hate their uh, their characters because <laughs> they just like, oh, I can't think of what to do next. Let's just kill a kill a family member. Mm. And I feel like, yes, that's a trope used in books and writing and yet it can show it can highlight Jesus it can highlight the truth that good can come from tragedy mm. because especially today we expect happy endings and that in our perspective that doesn't seem to always happen on this earth yeah and yet the hope is the truth is that Jesus is fulfilling a happy ending in a way it's just a way bigger and much more amazing scale than what we think of mm. and so while we can't maybe later on in our lives but in a moment we can't normally see how God is going to use a situation we can't see oh my grandfather had a stroke how is God going <laughs> to use that we don't see it and yet when you take a step back which is what you can do in a story, in a book. You can take mm. a step back and you can just experience the truth that God is going to use it for good. Mm. Yeah, and that, you know, I, I want to note one thing and then transition into another yeah. thing is, so is that experience of feeling like you're in the story, do you think that somewhat translates to... A real life experience like you could receive similar lessons in your heart in the way that you set your life from this fictional story in the same way that you would from actually experiencing that in real life um i can't say for everyone but for me definitely um mm. just because like i said with the story i get so into it that it's almost like i'm there mm. and that's why i love sequels or um, when an author revisits a character or reboots or in movies and TV shows too, just because I fall in love with a, with the characters because I it's almost like I've been through what they've been through mm. because I watched or read their life. Yeah, it sounds a lot like C.S. Lewis because 
whenever you look at his, I'm reading his autobiography right now. Yeah. And he's talking about how these fictional landscapes are, were more, are and were more significant to him in his childhood than the actual things that happened in his childhood. And he said that had shaped him more into who he is today. And he counts it as more significant than really all these other experiences that happened. Yeah, and that's kind of why I wanted to start writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because ever since I was little, I had like this world that I'd created in my mind with characters and stories and plot lines and I had it all in my brain and yet I was terrified to actually try to put it out there Hmm. because I knew that it couldn't compare one to what I was thinking and two to what anyone else had written right and yet I really just had to say okay God you've put this in me for a reason you've given me these stories and this passion so what next? And my grandfather was really um, instrumental in pushing me forward because he saw it from when I was little. He saw that passion within me. He's like, okay, and go. Mm. And I didn't want to then, and yet now I can see how he's impacted me and how I've um, been able to take stories I've had since I was a child. And obviously, I've they're way different from when I first thought of them right. because I've gotten older and know how to create a story. <laughs> um, but it's such a drastic difference between, um, I guess you'd say, my real life childhood experience and um, the stories I'd create that I was able to learn from stories I created in my own head mm. And now I'm getting to almost relive those stories and put them on a page. And I've found that when, not so much in the editing and revising process, because ew. (laughs) And that's where you're at right now. Yeah, I'm not a huge (laughs) fan of that part. But with the actual writing process, I'll be, it's almost like a state of worship Hmm. that... um, I'll be worshiping through creating as Jesus, as God created, because I believe that um, God created us in his image, so we are called to create like Jesus, like God, and one way we can do that is through stories, so I'll like be connected with the Father, and um, and it's weird for me because I'm not an emotional person. And yet when I am writing, emotions just pour out, both story but also for me. Like I'll be crying or um, laughing or just completely caught up in emotions in a way I've, I'm not anywhere else. Hmm. Even when I'm going through a difficult situation, it's not the same as when I'm writing about a difficult situation, which doesn't necessarily make sense saying it out loud, but in the moment, that's how I feel. Interesting. And I feel like part of that is because God's created me to write, to create stories. And so, yes, there's other aspects of my relationship with God, and it's never just one thing, as it shouldn't be, 
And yet that is becoming a special way I can connect with God and pour out his truths. And I'm just praying that once I finish the terrible process of revising and editing, <laughs> that I'll be able to publish it and it'll be able to touch other people's lives. Mm. Wow. So do you have, can you give us any sneak peek <laughs> on what this is about without giving up too much about yeah. your book? So um, this book I'm writing, it's, um, so I've outlined about 30, 40 stories that I'm going to one day write. Wow. Um, this first and one. And these are all you centering from when you were a child up until now? About, or is it just? About half of them are from childhood. Other, the other half is like, I'll have a w random dream and I'll be like, ooh, that could make a good story. Interesting. Like I had a random dream about a disease that makes everyone either left brain or right brain. Huh. And I was like, I don't know how I'd make that into a story, but I want to someday. That sounds incredible. That sounds like a good story, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, um, so like I said, it's like I created a world as a child. And so... There's a, there's little stories within that right. world. Gotcha. So it's almost like, I guess, the, the best MCU comparison would be the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Um, except in book form. Yeah. Uh, Ted Decker, my favorite author, does something similar. And so characters will uh, appear in different books. Their um, character arcs will f go over different series. Is I never know if it's series or series is <laughs> or whatever. I think it's series. I know it's series, but it sounds wrong to say multiple <laughs> series. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> um, that is... Something I really want to do because, like I said, I get connected to the characters and want to continue mm -hmm. with it. And um, so this first series is about um, a brief overview is it's set in a different world where the um, it was like. I think I said the 1970s, some people dissatisfied with the world um, basically found a another planet and uh, left the world left Earth and went there and they're um, I call them like the the New Day separatists mm. like the Puritans yeah they left um, England and went to the New World to create their own perfect colony and as we kind of know it wasn't super perfect because it was all about uh, religion and following all the rules. Right. And not completely, but my story kind of parallels that. Um, so this world, they, it, they have the judge of mercy and the judge of justice. And those are the two rulers of the world or of the village, basically. And um, it's kind of like grace versus um, judgment kind of thing. Um, religion versus relationship, that kind of um, theme, I guess mm. you'd say. And the story itself focuses on um, three friends, um, one who's the son of the judge of mercy, one who's the daughter of the uh, judges of justice, and then one who is an orphan. 
and is basically treated as an outcast from that society because he was um his parents had him before getting married and mm. just some other stuff like that so um they find this stone called the creativity stone that allows the holder to create and destroy anything basically become like god and joshua the son of the judge of mercy um is like no we shouldn't do this only god should have this power mm. we should trust in god and trust that he knows best and that his story is the best while um the orphan boy uh dedicus um once is angry at god and at society and once a society that doesn't judge him that um, almost like sees him as God in a way. Mm. Uh, so he later decides to take the stone and it heightens his emotions and he like goes on a rampage and things like that, destroying the village because he sees it as the place that mm. um, almost like hurt him. He, yeah. That hurt him. But it's also like that it's God's place. It's God's village. And I'm, rebelling against God mm. and he later decides to go and create his own world and in the second book um, the two other characters will have to go in and go try to save him dude man. that sounds amazing man so like man that's an incredible story man I, I'm so glad that you have learned that to follow that kind of passion that God put in your heart and like know that your ministry is going to look different than other people's. And that's what I love about God. He's so creative that he gave everybody their own little outlets. And when we come together as a body, that's when it fully forms. And, you know, you can fully rely on other people to be able to do that. Because I don't know anybody else <laughs> in our church body specifically here that is writing you know, Christian fiction novels like that right? with intricacies like that. And I think it's amazing, man. And yet, um, I also think that, uh, I just lost my train of thought, <laughs> but, um, well, I was going to, I was going to ask, you know, so we, it's crazy how God kind of coordinates stuff <laughs> and how we ended up meeting through youth. And then I invited right. you over to this Bible study, which I'm guessing from the Bible study, that you have learned a significant amount about yeah. the story of the Bible from and right. like kind of this perspective piecings. I know it's it's been monumental for me yeah. uh, to really walk through the Bible chapter by chapter, Genesis to Revelation and like right. see the entire story of the Bible and like go slowly through it and break yeah, down what the helpful. words mean. So like I want to bring together this like love for your own storytelling right. and then the ultimate story the greatest story of all time, which is the gospel, which is the Bible as a whole Definitely. and how that's kind of playing out. So like how has your interest in these fictional stories built this like passion and love for learning more about this like amazing story? Right. Well, while we can definitely gain lessons from fictional stories, whether it be books, movies, TV shows, even video games or uh, paintings or whatever it may be. Yeah. Those are only offering escape. While we can learn from them still, it's just an escape for 22 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour and a half or mm. however long it takes to watch the movie or TV show or read the mm. book. Um, 
and yet reading the Bible doesn't offer escape. Instead, it offers hope. And that hope or that joy, that peace, that love is a way more lasting benefit than just some escape. And I'm saying this, I love stories, I love fiction, and yet it can't compare to the truth of the Bible Hmm. because that's whether, yes, it was written by people, but it was written by people through God, and it was man's experience with God. So while we can write stories about people's experiences with God, how can we say that that compares to man's real experience with God, Mm. which we get through not only the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but through the Old Testament and the rest of the New Testament. And um, I think that is something that is so important to focus on. I, when I was younger, like, I loved reading, but I never really wanted to read the Bible because it just wasn't as interesting. Mm. And yet, I found that, more recently, I found that the only way I'm going to move forward in my relationship with God or in anything, really, is through being diligent to read the Bible. Because I've gotten stuff from the Bible that I never... It was almost like I knew in my head, but just reading it impacted me in a way mm. that wasn't the same. Yeah, and I've noticed since I've been diving into the words of the scriptures more that um, I, I've noticed that since I've been diving into the words of the scriptures more that it's become, it's God's revealed to me that the Bible is very interesting. Definitely. Like, it's one of the most intricate, interwoven, complex, well, simple stories yeah. with with antagonists, protagonists, right. ups and downs with this mighty conclusion that we're kind of coming towards the prefaces right now and we are in that story right and whenever you realize that we are in the bible's not done yes (laughs) it's incredible and um even like the first prophecy about jesus was in genesis Mm. and i think it's so incredible because this was way before anything else really i mean it was the beginning of creation And yet God already had a plan. And Mm. I think that is so important to remember because not only is it true in their lives, not only is it true in the Bible, but it's still true in our lives because God is still the same today. God has a plan in this, even Mm. in the coronavirus and all this crazy stuff going on right now. God has a plan. And I just can't wait to see what that is. Because I am honestly excited to see how God is going to transform our society back to him through this. Mm. Yeah, and I I think, you know, what we have to be okay with is that we might not, in our lifetime, that reveal may not happen. Right. You know, but we are reassured by the promises and the hope that you said, like, when you read the Bible, it's not an escape, but it's a hope in real life. Definitely. Like, it's... It is the true perspective of our reality. 
It is right. the true perspective of what the cosmic story that is being told here is. And it's incredible when you think about it that way, that it's not this boring story of a, a guy that lived a long time ago or people that lived mm. a long time ago or a city that, you know, escaped from Egypt and all. It's not just that, but it is the cosmic perspective in which we should hold so that we are living in the right heart positions and we know who God is in relation to us and how we should live our lives according to his ultimate plan. Like one of the things Josh says is when you know the playing field, you know how to play the game. Right. You know, if you're confused about what the playing field is and you're trying to play a different, you're trying to play soccer on a tennis court, it's going to be difficult. And, um, but not only that, but an important thing to, kind of change with your with our mindsets often is god is not some super serious religious figure Mm. he has a very funny sense of humor (laughs) yeah (laughs) like even just reading some of the stories in the bible there are some crazy things that happen like um i think it was elisha he uh he gets called baldy (laughs) and he sends some bears to attack him (laughs) He's like, okay, now you get attacked by bears. <laughs> or that is funny. just some crazy things that happen in the Bible that show that God is not just about religion. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, something I think that is super important to remember is that the only times Jesus really got mad at someone was the, re- he, the only people he got mad at were the religious figures. Mm. And... I like to think that it would be the same today, that the people he would be getting mad at are the religious figures that turn the incredible story of God, the incredible story of relationship and power and faith into just a list of rules. Right. Turning a relationship into a religion, basically, where it's just you do these things and you get a golden star Mm. because that is not what Jesus came here to do Mm. or like corrupting the story in any way, because like I I'm guessing as an author now, if I just came in and said, well, actually, I think. Um, I want to change this part of your book. And I think if I just tell the story in this way, and well, actually, he didn't mean this here, what he actually said. He actually meant this, and it's kind of a correlation between this. So we're going to lead these people based upon what your book said in this way that's not even what you said. Right. And I think any corruption of that, God dislikes because he wants his story to be pure. You know, And that's why the scriptures have been maintained in, in the way they are for so long. You know, there's some things lost in translation, but we can always go back to the Hebrew. We can always go back to the Greek and, you know, and we can get to the deep roots of what these words meant in the historical context. Right. But like any way that like, whether that's religious figures saying you need to follow these rules or it's this idea of hyper grace to where you can do whatever you want and everything's fine. Or, you know, how you mix, mix, or mix eschatology with conspiracies and you know all of this stuff to you know boost whatever i don't know what it is exactly but you get these secular mindsets right. or these greek mythology mindsets mixed right. in with what the bible says and god's just like no 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 that's not what i'm saying like read the book right like read the book instead of reading some fan fiction yeah, about it basically exactly <laughs> that's how i kind of think of it that mm. all these other theologies and whether it be um 
one way or the other, hyper grace or incredibly incredible legalism, whatever you want to call it, it's fan fiction that is nothing compared to the actual truth of the story of the Bible. That's a great way to put it. I never thought about it. Like <laughs> that. That's so funny. That's so funny. Fan fiction. It's like all these big pastors and stuff acting like they're big shots. They're just writing fan fiction. In a yeah. way, yeah. Yeah. And yet, that's why it's so important that we um, know what our pastors believe because we are coming under their covering. And um, I think it's super important that we trust our pastors because if we don't trust our pastors, then it's every single sermon is picking right. it apart, trying to make sure they got everything right perfectly. And the truth is no one's perfect. The yep. truth is we are all human and that no matter what we say in the... Um, in the uh, perspective of heaven, we got something wrong, most likely. <laughs> yeah. Like, even talking through this conversation now, I'm sure we got something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great thing to note, Caleb, is just trusting your leadership yeah. and not picking them apart because to have the true perspective of what Paul says in Romans right. is <clears throat> he's talking to the people, and he it's the, the Jewish people that are were anointed— to be the spiritual leaders of the nations and right. still are. But then these Gentiles like really were interested and they want to know. But the problem is th us Gentiles don't necessarily have this strong understanding that we grew up with of all of the Old Testament so that right. we can develop a pure perspective of what the New Testament is saying, what Jesus is saying, because he's always quoting the Old Testament. Jesus was a Jew. Paul the apostle right. was the Jew of the Jews. Like he, right. he understood everything. And that's why he's wrote, you know, well, not the only New that, Testament. but like Jesus, when he was being tempted, he quoted the old Testament. Right. And so a lot of times but, nowadays we like try to avoid the old Testament mm -hmm. and yet that's what Jesus quoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to finish like this little part is like, it's not necessarily, our Gentile pastors' faults right, for not getting everything right and not understanding to the fullest. And it's not wrong of them to get something wrong. Right. Like, yes, if you, it, it says it is a sin to know what you're doing wrong and then still do right. it. And yes, you want to be pure of heart because if you're a teacher, you'll be judged to a higher extent. Right. But that's not us up to us to necessarily judge them. Yes, we want to correct and we want to come together as a church body and say, hey, what, are we doing this thing right? Are right. we? Is this the gatherings that the olden church had? Is this what Jesus wanted us to do? Are right. we really, you know, and you ask, you get Francis, people like Francis Tan asking those questions a lot. Like, are we, is this what? he was saying to do get per someone to talk up here and then show up, go home and just leave it at that, you know, or was it like a communal body of people that said, Hey, we are full when we're together. Right. And, uh, but to, to, to wrap that up, it's like, it's a good thing for us Gentiles, even if we don't fully understand the Bible to have a heart on fire for God and say, Hey, I, I want to play a role in the world coming to see Jesus as king right you know? and, uh, and and there's just yeah. so much out there there's so many resources for us to start getting connected with the Old Testament and the New Testament to how 
to learn to read the Bible and learn those stories. And so we just have to start looking in a yeah. way. And um, to kind of finish up the, that conversation with leaders, yeah. um, like I said at the beginning, it's important to be able to trust them. So you kind of understand where they're coming from. And then once you um, trust, once you say you trust them and then stop looking at what, at trying to pick apart everything, just trust them and know that God has put them in your life for a reason. Yeah. So where do you think that, and, and you may not know the answer to this, but where do you think that ebb and flow of discernment versus trust happens because you know you you probably wouldn't go up to someone in you know i don't want to out any other religion but another like belief system and say hey just trust your leader right you know it's like where does that discernment come and where does that how do you land on that because some some leaders aren't leading their church in the right way but true um well that's why i think we have the holy spirit Mm. Uh, and not only that but why we have the bible yeah because the bible even says there are going to be wolves in sheep's clothing clothing there are going to be pastors that lead people astray and yet what we need to do is not be the catholic church from the 1800s or whenever it was where that no one read the bible and it was just the priests yeah um that even had access to the bible we can't be a follower of uh, of a pastor mm. or of a church we need to be a follower of jesus mm. we and that's where the discernment comes in because it's encountering god ourselves it's having that relationship ourselves as opposed to just having a pastor mm. that teaches us something that may or may not be right. So kind of what I've always been taught to on how to discern whether it's false teaching or not or if it's um, from God or not, like if you get a word from God, uh, is to... Say one is it encouraging and uplifting if not necessarily non-convicting right because the Bible is very convicting But is it encouraging you to? Become who God's created you to be or is if it or is it tearing you down saying you're a horrible person that? Um, you deserve to go to hell kind of thing, right? And that's you know, that's kind of what we learn in in the Bible study is right. that it's not to intellectually flex on someone, but right. it's like if the result of learning more about the unified story of the Bible doesn't bring you closer to be like, wow, God, you are so amazing. My heart is so on fire for you. I need to tell people about this. This is equipping me to help people understand and, and really jump you know, jump on board with what you're doing, God. Like if it doesn't stir up your heart in that way for more reverence for Jesus— it doesn't mean much, you yeah. know. <laughs> How can we write a review of the book without reading it? Mm. How can we tell people about God, about Jesus, about the story of the Bible, if we haven't read it ourselves? <laughs> and this isn't saying to read through the entire thing in one sitting or something crazy like that, but read the Bible because mm. it'll teach you how to have a relationship with God because all these people in the Bible— they were not perfect at all. Paul was a murderer. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Abraham lied and cheated on his wife with her <laughs> concubine or whatever right. it was. All these people were, in a way, terrible people, and yet God's perfection was shown in their weakness. Yeah. And we're the same way today. I can't speak for everyone, but I know, at least me, I'm not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, I don't have to be perfect because God is perfect in my weakness. Mm. And that is what the Bible teaches throughout all the Old Testament, throughout all the New Testament. That is what the Bible teaches. And so we can learn how to have that relationship. Mm. And that's the important thing, right? We can just (laughs) kind of lay down that pride and say... I messed up, you messed up, God, we need you. And, and that's the point of it is like to lay down that pride of our gifts, what we're really good at, <clears throat> and say, I'm going to lay these things down so that the Holy Spirit is showcased through me. Yeah. Because I could do these quote-unquote great things via my own gifting, my own strengths, all of these things. And I could carve my own path as America likes to tell us or whatever, you know, (laughs) society. Carve your way. You know, pull up your bootstraps. Go for what you want. Every Disney movie. Yeah. And uh, instead, I can lay that to the side and say, hey, you know, I know I could accomplish some, like, pretty amazing things in the eyes of of the world. Um, through my giftings, through what you've given me. But, you know, what do you want to do with it, God? And yeah. what is your word saying I should set my heart on and put my faith in or, like, my worth in? Like, where does... Right. Where am I placing my worth in life? And imagine if all of these amazingly successful people and inventors and entertainers and all those people had been using their gifts for God. Hmm because Kanye (laughs) I mean now he's like bringing all these people to the Lord and I don't know his own personal walk with God or where it is right now all I know is that he's bringing people to God and it's powerful and he's using his gifts for God in ways that a lot of other people in his position aren't right they're leading people towards drugs or towards self-glorification yeah and that's the curse of man, right? Is to uh, want to take what we want to glorify ourselves. Like you said in the book, right? because we've been damaged in the past, we want to be our own God and say, hey, I'm going to be better than everybody else. Right. Because, you know, it's just, it's all comes from these places of scars or these places right. of like not feeling good enough. And when we receive that true identity from God and we say, Okay, I regardless of what happens, regardless of what the result is, whether my book gets published or not, right. I'm fine. Yeah, I, I know that you're trustworthy. I know that you're returning, and yeah. My favorite author wrote a um, a book on how to write, mm. and how he described it was: we're just building sandcastles, and if the water washes it away, who cares? We'll just build another one. Our worth is not in the sandcastle itself Mm. because, and it's the exact same thing with everything else, whether it's writing or singing or doing podcasts, whatever it may be, our worth is not in what we do on this earth. 
if we have a heavenly perspective, a heavenly perspective, then our worth isn't found in that. It's found in God. Mm. Because a huge part of my testimony is learning that my I don't have to be perfect mm. by the world standards. Instead, I can be perfect because God sees me perfect as how he created me. Now, of course, yes, I need to grow in certain areas, but God created me in his image. God created me perfect in a mm. way. And, um, I, and because of that, I don't have to be the perfect son, the perfect student, the perfect author, the perfect brother, the perfect friend, the perfect boyfriend, mm. because that's what I was having to be in every single sense of the word. I couldn't be vulnerable with anyone. Mm. I couldn't make a mistake. I couldn't do anything that wasn't considered perfect. I had to be the perfect Christian. And mm. it wasn't real. It was just that outward shell. And I was frustrated with myself and with, in a way, God, that I wasn't doing all these things in a way that other Christians were doing. I wasn't having all these amazing testimonies come out of my own relationship with God. And it was almost like I hadn't really experienced anything horrible, so I don't have a testimony. And yet I see all these other people that were that grew up Christians and they f kind of fell away. And it's almost like you had to fall away from God to turn back to him and have an amazing testimony. Mm. And I was like, I'm, I'm just a Christian. That's it. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and yet God showed me that I do have something mm. and that I can speak to a certain type of person that no one else can because of my experiences. So what was that moment when you, recognized that so um that was last semester um the hardest uh half week of my life <laughs> interest um i had been dating this girl for five years or almost five years wow and we had planned not on the antioch method <laughs> not the antioch method whatsoever yeah what is we, that like Eight months is the ca if you if you date longer than eight months in Antioch you're doing something. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> we had been planning on getting married. Josh didn't even laugh at that one. <laughs> I just go go on. Sorry, poor Josh. Um, but we had been planning on getting married and yeah. all these things, and yet, what God showed me through my mom being vulnerable and me just having f uh, trusting the mentors God has placed in my life. Mm. Um, God showed me that our relationship had been basically built on, she kind of saw herself as needing someone to fix her and uh. I needed to be needed. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Enneagram, but like I'm a two and the whole thing about it too uh, is needing to be needed and serving people. And so I saw mine and this girl's relationship as an amazing thing. And yet it was me constantly serving her and helping her and trying to fix her. 
And to be honest, it was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a lot of um, self-worth. I was damaged a lot self-worth-wise because it was almost like I'd make a slight mistake and suddenly I'm a horrible person. I'm a jerk. I'm um, the worst boyfriend ever. And so it was just exhausting in a way. And yet the hard part was is that I wanted to help her. I wanted to be there for her, and I thought I loved her. Mm. And yet God showed me that it wasn't love and that I needed to trust in him. Just like in my story, I'd been trying to write it myself in a way. And I thought that that's how a relationship should look like. And not only that, but I thought that that was nice comfortable zone like it was there I didn't have to work I mean I had to work in a way but I didn't have to go out and find someone else I didn't have to worry about who I would end up with it was just there and comfortable and um, I didn't have to grow myself in a way because I was yeah. helping her grow yeah God showed me, though, that the only way I was going to grow and the only way she was going to grow, both in our life on earth and in our heavenly perspective and our relationship with God, the only way either of us could ever grow was apart. Mm. And I'm not a confrontational person, and I was terrified about breaking up with her, and I had to do that, and it was so scary. So that was a, a big moment for you, like, realizing. So that, because that, that's a long time, five years. Yeah. And then kind of just coming to this conclusion, like, wow, maybe I built my life too much around this certain thing. And God really wants me to fall deeper into my giftings and what he has made me for. Right. And so I had to break up with her. That was hard. <laughs> yeah. And yet, out of that, I really discovered not only who I am and what my own insecurities are and what the truth is, my insecurities being, you know, needing to always be perfect, unable to be vulnerable, needing to be needed, etc., and kind of where that stemmed out of and how God really sees me. And not only that, but the next day was a, uh, you were there, it was a youth um, uh, retreat. Mm. And the crazy thing was that that day I was supposed to preach about um, identity <laughs> and uh, it was identity and uh, purpose. And so I had obviously been planning this throughout the entire thing, but it just ended up paralleling my own experiences that night or the night before and how God is calling each of us to first be loved by him. Mm. That is the number one thing to accept God's love because there are lots of things blocking us from God's love, whether it be um, needing to be perfect, lack of vulnerability, or the opposite, just 
refusing to think about God or, or you're angry with God or whatever. Escapism that you were talking escapism, about. Escapism, yeah. And yet, once we learn to let God love us, then we can start to discover our own identity. I thought my identity was being a servant and helping people. And yet that's just, that was my insecurity, mm-hmm. not my identity. And I'd spent all this time set understanding my identity and being like, oh, I know who I am. Uh-huh. And yet I didn't. And all of what I had placed my identity in was my insecurities. Hmm. And so once God flipped that, showed me they were insecurities and just wanted me to be with him. Hmm. There's this amazing song. It's by Travis Green, I think, and Stephanie Gridzinger. Um, It's called Good and Loved. It's a worship song. Um, It's like God singing to us and it's saying like, through everything, um, no matter what, all you have to know is that I am good and you are loved. Mm. That's it. Mm. And that just really struck me because as someone who spent all my life trying to be perfect, trying to do everything correctly, and trying to be everything for everyone, the fact that I just had to know that he was good and that he loved me and just accept that, it was crazy. Mm. And yet, it's the truth. Yeah, that's a crazy revelation. And like, I'm just kind of realizing that in my own head that so many of us in society <clears throat> take our insecurity and make it our identity. And it's such a sliver right. of who we are. Exactly. It's like, I define myself as this type of person with this and this and this and this. And you're just taking these tiny little slivers when, when you flip that and you say, I am this. And through that, I have these attributes. Right. This isn't saying everyone's the same person and like, oh, yeah, who? Oh, so who are you? Oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. (laughs) That's not necessarily what we're supposed to do, even though it is true. And that's not exactly how what we're asking. Right. Yeah. Because God has placed those passions, those purposes, those skills in our hearts for a reason. Yeah. And so kind of how I had to change my thinking was. So number one, it's know that you're loved by God. And then from that, understand your identity. And then from that, figure out your purpose. Mm. It's in that order. It can't be flipped around because I... Say that again. So first, know you're loved by God. Then through that love, understand your identity. In Christ, as a child of God, you are loved. Mm. That is who you are. And you can start to understand who you are as a specific person and who God created you, but knowing that you, he created you perfect. And then from that, then you can start to understand your purpose Mm. and what God has called you specifically to, because yes, he's in through the great commission. He's called us all to love God, love people, Mm. serve people and live on missions and all these Mm. things. And yet how you do that specifically is different. Like for me, it could involve writing. And for you, it could involve podcasting or whatever it may be. And yet. And for both of us, youth is a part of it. Right. Youth is definitely a part of of our life story. Yeah, that's crazy. Because a lot of times we try to build our foundation on our purpose. That's what I did. Rather than on 
that truth of Jesus, that truth of our identity as a part of his royalty, royal kingdom, like a part of this inheritance that will never go away, this firm foundation of like the trustworthiness of God. That's what we, that's the firm foundation they're talking about in the Bible, Definitely. not an anointing given to you by God. Right. You know, cause like every purpose we, it, it, what verse is that? It's talking about like, um, your purposes will, f- you know, fall away, but love will reside. I don't in know. First, in first Corinthians, yeah, yeah. the love chapter. I forgot what the exact chapter is, but it's like um, you can do all these things, and yet it's nothing but a clanging symbol. Yeah. symbol. I know that, but there's one of like love is the only thing that will last for. Oh, for prophecies and anointings will fall yes. away, but but love, you know, will last, or the trustworthiness of God. Can you look that up, all Josh? Right. By any chance? I just wanna I wanna get that accurate. Um, but yeah, man. If we, what I did was I thought I was a, my kind of identity was to serve people, to help people. And that was my purpose in life, to help people. And that's what I did with my now ex-girlfriend. That's Mm. what I thought I had to do with every single relationship in my life. So Uh. I was looking at all my relationships as not fruitful because I wasn't being everything for them. And so all my good relationships were really unhealthy and they were all very broken people not that you shouldn't absolutely you should pour into those people and help them and be there for them and show god's love but i was finding my purpose or my identity in that Mm, and you need to be poured into as well right and so at least from my experience your best friend probably shouldn't be the person that you are helping constantly Mm mm-hmm because you should be helping your friends, yes, but if that's all the relationship is, is that's not healthy because all you're doing in that best friend or like your closest friends is if all you're doing is pouring into them and it's nothing returned, then that's for me at least it was that's your identity, that's what your purpose is all. I that's how I f- have a good relationship with someone. Yeah. I had to learn that wasn't the case and honestly I felt like I never really had any true friends and yet that's because people were wanting to be my friend but I didn't realize that because they weren't coming to me with all their emotional baggage. Mm. Which so the way in which healthy. you <laughs> interpreted what it meant for to have a, a a fruitful, unified relationship with friends or romantic or whatever, it had to be, it had to look like that. It had to look like they're coming to you explaining, like their heart's pouring this stuff out to you and you're supposed to take it and help them with it. And that's right. what your idea of it was. And in a way, my mom and my grandmother struggle with the exact same thing. Mm. And so, and they're kind of like, not my men. Well, in a way, they're my mentors, but like they were the people I kind of modeled my life after, and I kind of yeah. saw it in them and saw that as a good thing, and that's what I should be doing. Mm. And that's not healthy though, because it's not a real relationship. And God has 
I had to learn that God had so much more for me. Yeah. That God had so much more than just helping people for my life. Yes, we're called to serve, but it's serving and knowing your identity and knowing you're loved, not um, your identity is serving and people right. love you because you're serving them. Yeah. Josh, I don't think it's in First Corinthians. Just look up for prophecies will pass away, but and then in the Bible, and it should be able to find it. It took me to 13. Is it there? Uh, it says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and knowledge. It's that verse. You looked up for prophecies will pass away. Yeah. Google really is a crazy thing. Right. And like what I kind of will tell people is like, I don't know where to start with the Bible or I don't have time. Just if you're struggling with something or you're thinking about something, look up verses about yeah. anxiety, verses about serving, right. verses about whatever. Yeah. And it says love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where knowledge is or where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. Love never goes away. It's kind of crazy. It's like all the things that we put in society in the world put our most, like, <clears throat> we, we base our lives off knowledge, like being able to say, hey, I'm going to do this and it's going to happen. You know, um, not only that, but especially in Christian circles, mm. we look to the person that knows the most about the Bible. Or we look to the person that looks the most spiritual, I guess mm. you'd say, or the most holy. Or the tightest jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, if you see that as holy, then sure. <laughs> um, but we're looking there, and yet we should be doing what Jesus or what God said to Samuel the l men look on the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm. So, what is the heart behind people because I know for me I looked like a really good strong Christian and I had a relationship with God but it wasn't like what I was presenting to people no and that, and that really showed itself whenever you do and it's not to condemn anybody but like when you do see something revealed in a person that you're like wait that person what how could I how could they that's not who I saw them as that's not because it's the thing about the enemy. He's sneaky. He wants you to hide things. He wants you to put on this front. He's perfectly fine with you looking like a good Christian and walking and talking <laughs> like a good Christian, being in community, all this stuff, and having a dark heart. And not only that, but if you aren't, if you don't have that dark heart, and obviously you'll still struggle with things and you'll still have insecurities and problems, but if you are really striving towards that relationship with God, other people will look at you and be like, oh, they're just super holy or righteous. Or why am I, I why can't I do that? Part of my um, story is that or my testimony, I guess you'd say, is that I have an incredible grandmother who has gone through some horrible things, but she's come out of it. 
in an, with an incredible relationship with God mm. where she just will, um, like she sees anyone in H-E-B basically and she starts prophesying over them and praying for them and speaking into their life and encouraging them. She really has God's heart for people. And I'd see that and honestly be discouraged and envious and be like, oh, I could never be like her. I could never be that good Christian. Or with writing, I could never be as good as Ted Decker or other authors or C.S. Lewis or anything like that. I couldn't yeah. be the as good as anyone else. I, and I was envious of them. And the enemy, the devil, will twist God's perfection into other people seeing it as either they're just holier than thou or why can't I be like that? I must be a te- I'm a terrible Christian because I'm not prophesying for every single person yeah. I see. Yeah, and I think the thing to keep in mind, I think this is from, I don't know where it's from in the Bible, First Peter or something like that. It's like... Uh, when he when he's saying, like, hey, didn't we like prophesy with you, God? Like, didn't we cast out demons and like heal the sick? Like, and he's like, I never knew you, because it's right. it's all about that heart and where your relationship right. is. Well, Caleb, one for her, it is that strong relationship. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Caleb, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, um, of course. Is there like a, uh, a due date for the book? Like, what can we? Expect for that. Um, there's not a due date, um, but uh, I'm just trying to finish e- revising and editing right now. Um, it's called down. It's going to be called Downfall. So if you happen to see it, that's what it is. Mm. Um, downfall. And what's the, what's that title kind of represent? Just the. Um, in a way. The downfall of man. Basically, <laughs> and that what leads to our downfall is trying to be like God. Mm. Trying to be our own God. Or trying to be that perfect Christian, that perfect person, uh, like legalism versus grace mm. kind of thing. So is there anything else like you feel led on your heart that you want to tell the world of podcasts, everybody listening to this, like, you know, maybe about your book or just in general, is there anything that, you know, any last words you got? Um, well, as kind of a summary, I'd say, one, read the Bible, because it really is the greatest story ever. And it provides so much more than just escape. Mm. And yet, also, it's not bad to read stories, as long as they're framed by the truth of Jesus. At least, for me, I think it's really helpful. And um, you can just experience God through other stories and yet first and foremost read the Bible because it is the greatest story and then two um, as I've had to learn very much so and I've caused much heartache for myself by not knowing this first and foremost know you are loved by God that he is good that he is perfect that he loves you so much and then from that you can start to understand your identity and who God calls you. And then from that, then you can understand your purpose as mm. a person called on this earth for a very specific reason. Because if we're here on this earth, God has a calling for mm. us. 
until <laughs> until we die, God has a reason for us being here. Mm. Mm. Dude, that is so good, bro. Why, why don't you close us out in prayer, and then um, we'll we'll finish this thing up, man. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Jesus, so much for asking to be here today. Jesus, I pray that you will speak to each and every listener's heart and that they will just encounter your love, that they will encounter your love in a greater fullness than they've ever experienced. And Jesus, I pray that for us here, that we will also encounter your love in a greater and more fulfilling, more powerful experience than we ever had, because we all need more of your love, God. And Jesus, I pray that you will convict our hearts to seek after your word, to seek after your truth, and to discover the promises you've given us, to discover the fullness of your presence, of your joy, of your goodness, of your love, of your grace. Amen. Amen. All right, Caleb. Well, thanks for coming on the show again. Of course. um, For everybody listening, uh, we'll feature downfall on creativecurious.com when it comes (laughs) out. See you guys later.